0: When you work with your body and not against it, you'll begin
1: to discover that you are in fact designed to heal. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Design to Heal. I'm your average Jeff with the man, Dr. Ben Rawl. How's it going, buddy?
0: The man. Is that? Is that like, are you trying to I mean with today how we talk about different... <laughs> is that my pronoun or whatever it's, you call that? It's, it? it's,
1: yeah, it's your pronoun, but it's, okay. it's really more so me saying disclaimer, this is all his fault. Right? Oh, <laughs> you know, like, it's all on me. So the, you only take the credit when it's a good... Okay, <laughs> If I got you're you. that white cargo van looking to follow somebody around and do damage to the person, it, I had nothing to do with this. I just hit record. That's all right. Well, hey, well, speaking
0: of uh, uh, messages that fly in the face of conventional thought. We have a guest <laughs> on today who's going to get to be guilty by association here. But um, we are very honored. Matter of fact, today will be a special show uh, for me in that um, our guest today, Nathan Crane, a filmmaker-producer um, in that in that world, and he made one of his films here recently is a documentary about cancer and about um, you know, kind of an integrated approach, or uh, there's a lot of words for it, he'll talk about it. And so um, I've shared a little bit on the show before, I'll talk about it a little bit more today, but one of the doctors that's featured in this film is the doctor that actually cared for my dad when my dad had cancer in Arizona at a place called An Oasis of Healing. So well, the minute I saw that and I viewed the film, it just touched my heart because of the work that they do. So we are so thankful um, to have uh, uh, Nathan Crane on today. Nathan, thank you for being on the show. Will you do our listeners, uh, uh, give us just a little bit of your backstory, kind of why you are doing what you do and anything else you want to share?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys, uh, and thanks for doing this show. I've been listening to it lately, getting familiar with with your show. And actually I really, I think you guys do an amazing job with this podcast. So thank you for that. Thanks for having thank me. You. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know, the condensed background is, you know, I went through many of my own health challenges uh, as a teenager, ended up homeless, addicted to drugs and alcohol, very sick, um, you know, on antibiotics all the time, on a really bad diet, you know, the typical sad diet. And uh, by 18 years old, I I almost died. I was almost dead by 18. Mm-hmm. I barely made it. And then at 18, I just I had this big epiphany and totally changed my life, transformed my life, moved to San Diego, California from a little town, Bozeman, Montana, and and um, started getting healthy. I wanted to find out what it was, you know, what life could be like if I was actually healthy and vital and and happy, you know, um, and so I started really diving in deep in 2005 uh, into natural health and meditation and yoga and cleansing and diet and nutrition, just deep into, research and experimentation, you know, I'd learn something, I'd learn about a cleanse, and then I'd, I'd try it on myself, right, and I'd learn about raw food diet, and I'd do it for a year, and I just kept learning and experimenting, and then, you know, started interviewing the top experts in the world on health, and nutrition, and sustainability, and spirituality, and and then, you know, I was starting to get invited to speak all over the country, and, and was teaching at uh, retreats and workshops and things like that in my early and mid-20s, Um and then so it's about seven years into that journey and um and my grandpa, my grandpa was diagnosed with cancer. And and I went to visit him in Arizona and sitting with him, you know, just seeing him suffering, um, suffering in so much pain. He talked about he could barely, you know, walk to the bathroom without being in so much pain, you know, his hair had fallen out from the chemotherapy. And and they're just sitting there, you know, watching him suffering, thinking, Oh my God, there's gotta be better solutions for this, and, and I know there are, but I really hadn't had any experience with cancer up to that point, and so I sat there really just feeling, you know, hopeless and helpless, and and, and then left, uh, went back home, and he passed away shortly after that in 2013, and um, it really was, you know, the chemotherapy and radiation that uh, destroyed his immune system and made him so incredibly weak that, that he passed away, and unfortunately, that's true for so many people that I've since you know, talk to and, and, um, integrative specialists that I've interviewed and and the research that I've dove into, a lot of people die from the treatments and not the cancer itself or some other, you know, chronic infection or, um, nutritional inadequacies, nutritional deficiencies, you know, toxic overload versus the cancer actually taking their life. And I didn't know that at the time, but it sent me on this, just this mission, this obsession to learn everything I possibly could about cancer. So that same year I produced one of the very first online summits about cancer and interviewed uh, tons of doctors and holistic practitioners and people who've reversed cancer. I said, how do you do it? You know, What are the natural things, the holistic things, even the integrative things that, that you're doing to help patients reverse cancer and, and then interviewing people who've reversed stage 4 cancer and says, how do you do it? What do you eat? What lifestyle changes do you make? What treatments did you follow through? And so from that I just started producing summit after summit magazines, books, um, conferences, and eventually started this documentary, which is called Cancer, the Integrative Perspective. And um, and so that's been really my focus since about 2013. And, you know, thankfully, I've reached millions of people around the world with alternative information about solutions for both preventing and, revert and reversing cancer using primarily non-toxic solutions so that people have more options, right? People understand that you don't necessarily have to be afraid of cancer when you understand it. I didn't understand it, and I was afraid of it. I think most people today that I talk to also don't understand it, which is why they're afraid of it. And the more you understand about something, right, the more you can transcend beyond the unknown into the known. Then you, and then you're empowered to actually, you know, make better decisions for your health. So that's kind of where we're at Well, now.
0: it's um uh, obviously a, a a large body of work, and i I I think about this. Nathan. And I remember and the story when my, and, it, and you've probably heard it millions or, you know, thousands of times at this point where it's this, you know, the typical approach. So I got the call one day, my dad's on the other line, fairly emotional, um, telling me that he was diagnosed with stage four cancer, uh, two weeks to live was uh, out of their their conversation. And, um, and I remember um, I got on the phone with his oncologist just to confirm the details and understand what was going on. And the way that my my father was treated was was very um, sad, and, and literally told my dad to go home, um, get his affairs in order,s and pick out his casket. And I just I couldn't understand that. I just and so my dad had not lived a very healthy lifestyle um, in his life. But um, I just said, hey, dad, are you looking for? Um, would you be willing to do anything you know, different or an alternative? And he was open to that. And so we flew him to Arizona in Oasis of Healing. He was there for about six weeks in stage four cancer. And I literally watched him reverse cancer in front of my eyes. And that was one of my introductions. Even though I've had friends in natural health care for you know, almost 20 years now and I've watched cancer reverse, I've seen the worst of the worst get better. So, but, but here's what I've seen. Nathan, is a lot of people, like you said, and very transparent about that, which is, hey, I didn't really know much about it. And so, because of that, I had a lot of fear. And I remember on the phone the first time with Dr. Lodi, my dad's name was Terry. And he said, Terry, he said, first of all, and it was ironic because my dad was given two weeks to live. He said, Terry, first of all, um, don't feel like you have to make any decisions quickly. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. My dad's got two weeks to live. But he just meant, don't, don't fall prey to this fear, right? And he said, this you have to see cancer as a gift. And I remember even hearing that the first time, like, what is going on, right? Um, not offended, but just wanted to learn more. And watching my dad heal, and and heal not just physically, but heal, heal emotionally. And I remember a day that he came out of um, a, a, a treatment that they, had, that they had done there that involved more of the, the uh, emotional side, and I don't know what happened in that room, But um, I think that's the day that my dad healed. I remember when he just... When he walked out he just looked like a different person. And there had been something that had happened to him. And he did all the other alternative therapies, and there's a lot of different things that, that you do there. But I just feel like that was a breakthrough for him. So, But so many people, we used to call it the big C, right? Cancer, Everybody's afraid of the big C. Now COVID has maybe taken over that big C category for, for a season here. Um, but I, when I watched your film, and this is what I would want everybody to first know, so I would go get that film, I'd go Google that film and watch that film. Is it on all the different properties, all the different places, Nathan?
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. it's at uh, theintegrativeperspective.com, it's the easiest place, but it's on Amazon, and yeah, people can find it pretty much anywhere right now.
0: So, the thing I hear a lot of times when I'm talking to patients about things and they get diagnosed with cancer or somebody they know, they always say, Hey, you know, I, can I get some resources or some information or a, I want a, a holistic way? Or is there anything else I can do in besides chemo or in addition to chemo or something like that? And what I love about your film, one of the things I love about your film is, When people say, hey, do you know anybody or any experts? And then you have like 40 people in your film, right? With like every degree, every background from cancer survivors to natural cancer doctors... And I just—you owe it to yourself to watch this film to just begin to combat the fear that you might have about cancer. You need to hear doctor after doctor, survivor after survivor. You know, um, alternative. You know, some aren't doctors, some are health coaches and nutritionists, all sorts of stuff, toxicity experts. You you need to spend that time hearing from their experiences to begin to dismantle some of that fear that you have around that. Cause I feel so many people are just, here's their approach to cancer. I hope I don't get it. Right. Like that's, I hope I don't get it. And I'm like, man, if that's your approach and, and, and also on top of that, I'm going to go, you know, every once in a while, go get some, you know, tests done that actually can cause cancer. And that's going to be my preventative approach to cancer is see if I can find it. And so it's, it's just, we have to, you know, when you call cancer, one of the top killers, you know, in, in the United States, I mean, we would really be silly. It's it's silly how uninformed we are about it, right? Particularly to ways we can prevent it, which would be ideal, and then certainly treatment options within that. So, what was kind of the shocking thing to you when you started? You know, was there moments, kind of epiphanies, where you went, "Wow," you know, or was there a particular interview you remember, or something that really went like, "I've kind of been lied to," or "There's a lot I didn't know," or can you take us through that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um first, you know, thanks for sharing your story about your dad Terry with Dr. Lodi. I mean, it's an incredible thing to hear, but it's not um it's definitely not in isolation. I mean, there are thousands of those cases. And the the problem is, you know, those are not on mainstream me- or, you know, mainstream media every night, right? They so should be stop you right front there. page news.
0: Because, yeah, because this is ahead. a classic no, because this is classic, right? So I'm sitting here with Jeff and he always loves doing the show because he's like why isn't that front page news, right? Why didn't <laughs> right. you know? And I've right. had stories of patients that have healed, um, you know, in my office from different things. I remember one guy healed from prostate cancer, and he went back to his oncologist, and his oncologist refused to meet with him. Right. When my dad came back to, to his hometown, the the, the the doctor that told me would be dead refused to meet with him. Right. Um, so wh- why why isn't it? I know the answer, but you've done this. Why? Isn't it mainstream news? And be-
1: Nathan, before you answer that, just speaking again, is that sort of average Joe off the street? We're going, yeah, if you have that cure for cancer, if you have this good news, like wouldn't everybody want to know it? And so I think like the average person is just assuming, you know, out of the goodness of someone's heart, especially someone in healthcare who we want to believe got into healthcare because they believed that they could help people heal and they wanted to do that. So, yeah, why isn't screaming? Why isn't it screaming from the headlines? What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a huge subject to unpack, right? Um, there's a lot of reasons. It's not just one, but there's quite a few. But, you know, let me frame this first by saying, um, I don't think all conventional medicine is bad, and sometimes conventional medicine is, is important. And even maybe a little bit of chemotherapy, some low-dose IPT, insulin-potentiated therapy, you know, maybe a little surgery to save somebody's life. You know, you have a tumor on your spine, and, and it's literally, you know, going to kill you, and, and they can remove it safely. Like, sometimes conventional medicine is, is appropriate. Unfortunately, many times, it's it, it's inappropriate. And, you know, conventional medicine calls these miraculous healings, these stage four reversals, which there are thousands of them that we know of today. I mean, those are just documented. Um, you know, I'm sure there's many more, but we call them spontaneous remissions, right? It just happened spontaneously. It was a luck of the stroke. It was, you know, a blessing from God. It was, it just happened out of nowhere. It's a miracle. And I've heard this from many people who intentionally, reverse their cancer. It was a very intentional process. It took them a year or two years or four years, but they intentionally reversed stage four cancer when they were given like your dad, two weeks, three weeks, you know, five weeks, two months to live. And they go back to their oncologist and they say, wow, that's a miracle. They say, well, doc, don't you want to hear what I did? And they say, no, it's just a miracle. You know, uh, be thankful you're, you're alive and uh, come check in in a year and we'll do a test and see where you're at. Right. And it's really unfortunate um, because as a, as a doctor. What happens is in medical school, and I've I've interviewed many medical doctors who have since transitioned from conventional medicine to a holistic practice or an integrative practice. And one of the things they're taught in, in medical doctors are taught in medical school. And still today, I have medical students reaching out to me and saying, uh, you know, we're told in medical school that that natural medicine doesn't work. There's no science that supports it. And so what you're what you're talking about is heresy, right? It's almost as if it's a religion, and that's kind of where we're at today: is this medical monotheism, this kind of religious approach to science and, and medical treatment, and and they're taught this in school, even though there are seventy seven thousand peer reviewed you know abstracts in PubMed and many peer reviewed journals, the Lancet, you know, every seventy seven thousand that I know of that uh, support the efficacy and safety of natural medicine for prevention and healing of just about every disease on the planet, including cancer. But somehow the pharmaceutical companies have co-opted the information from getting out to the public. Right. And the problem is mainstream media cannot cover this or they lose their advertising from the pharmaceutical companies. And that's just a fact. It's not conspiracy. That's a fact. Um, And so they can't cover it, you know, and if they do, try to cover it at all, they cover it in a really slight kind of way. They don't go into detail and it's more of like an off side story, right? That doesn't go into to the specifics. But what people need to realize is that just cause the mainstream media doesn't cover it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> right. And, and that's very true that uh, unfortunately, you know, our media today doesn't give us the full truth. And I'm sure your listeners probably know this. Some yeah. of them may not. But I don't know if you knew about the court case that happened recently um, where they went to court and one of the mainstream media outlets was sued for defamation, right? Because they basically put out propaganda and false information and they were sued for defamation and they won against defamation even though they intentionally lied about somebody. They, they knew they were lying and they intentionally lied about it and they still won. And why did they win? They won because... The, their um, defense was, we are actors, we are acting, and our public knows that we are acting. Our audience knows that we are acting, that we don't have to cover every little detail of the truth, that we are embellishing, that we are actors. And the judge uh, granted them the case, and they won. Wow. And so if, if people don't know that, they need to realize it doesn't matter what mainstream media, left or right, conservative, liberal... It doesn't matter. They are not giving you the full side of the story, right? And and oftentimes they are intentionally deceiving you and they can legally get away with it. That's the crazy thing. So that's, you know, there again, there's a lot to unpack here, but there's multiple reasons why this information just doesn't get on mainstream.
0: So when I hear you say that and, and to kind of for our, and here's what I would, I remember we've done many shows about birth and things like that over, over the years and I read, you know, I remember a statistic and I'm paraphrasing, but like the average person sees like I don't know, like a thousand births or something like that, you know, by the time they have a birth, when I say see them, they saw them on TV, right? So or a sitcom. So they saw the mom being rushed to the hospital. They saw the the, you know, screaming, you know, in the hallway, whatever, and it was just this medicalized version of so all they know is that. And yeah. so, you know, the cancer has this just this I mean literally, right? I mean cancer has this power it shouldn't, but I mean for many people the word cancer is like the worst word they can hear. And I, I to your to your point Nathan, or part of your point. I mean you have to be intentional intentional about offsetting the fear or the 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 just what's ever been built in your spirit regarding that word. I remember and some of the things I do to offset that for me is like the studies we know that, um, you know, this is out of the Pharmacology Journal, and I know you referenced many studies in your film where, you know, 90, 95% of cancer is actually related to our lifestyle, to our environment, right? Not to our genes. And that number seems to keep getting smaller and smaller, the genetic, as time goes, because, right. you know, it's just, you know, whether it's Lipton's work or any, anybody that's looking at this, it's not the genes, it's the environment we put them in, in or, or not. And this is where I think the narrative or the story about, Cancer has such a, an opportunity to be transformed because you don't have to be this passive victim that just sits and hopes they don't get cancer. Um, we can look at our life and particularly our lifestyle and say, what am I doing in my life or lifestyle right now? I mean, let's just use the classic example, right? If I'm smoking two packs a day, I think people are going to understand that that is likely going to increase my chances at many things, including lung cancer, right? So people don't freak out about that. I mean, people kind of understand that. But what they don't realize is there's you know, 50 other things that they're probably doing that they had no idea were, were causing that, right? So Absolutely. can you talk about a little bit about the, the lifestyle genetic? Because that's probably, yeah. if, if there's a second question to what Jeff asked, which is, how come I don't see it, right? Then the next question you get often is like, but yeah, but you can't do anything to prevent it, right? You know, it's, it's genetic. So what's your kind of response to the genetic question?
2: Yeah. So it's a good, it's it's a good question. And, you know, I want to reiterate what you said is that once you, and, and what I said earlier too, is once you understand what cancer is, why we get it, or why we create it really, how it works and what we can do about it, then your fear just starts to dissipate. The reason we are so afraid of cancer today is because, you know, the stigma around it, this kind of, um, subconscious programming that we've been, really programmed with uh, so many of us that you think of cancer and, and what do you think of what's the first picture in your mind? You see most people see
0: bald. Chemo, yeah. It, yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Bald, uh, sickly and pain, right? Because we've all seen it. We've all had family members, maybe listeners tuning in if uh, are in that space themselves. Right, or have had a family member or friend or you see it on TV. It's a bald, you know almost albino sickly white looking person in a hospital tie, you know with tubes tied up to him and it's a very sad situation. The reality is, and this is, this is a key thing for everybody today is that is not cancer. We have to get that out of our minds right now. The bald, sickly, deathly, weak um, you know, person in your mind is not cancer. That's chemotherapy and radiation. Right. So that's a huge, it's so simple. But when I talk to people about this, they don't realize that they go, Oh, that's right. You know what? That's not cancer doing that to them. And, and actually, you know, cancer is something that can save your life. And I'll, and I'll talk about why that is in a moment, but cancer is, is actually a very intelligent design, prolonging your life. It's not, you're getting attacked by cancer. Mm -hmm. And you talked about Dr.
0: Lodi. When you, when you, um, and I was making me, re- it reminded me when, when getting back to my, my dad, but so he had a very unhealthy lifestyle. I mean, he was, um, he was a practicing alcoholic. He was, I mean, he didn't know what any sort of health food His His idea of health food was if it was a buy one, get one free at Arby's. I mean, you know, I mean, and I'm just, that was the reality. He was a yeah. a single guy a, a on the road salesman. I mean, he had a very, very unhealthy lifestyle. So it wasn't a surprise that he developed, you know, colon and liver cancer. But but I remember when we got down to to Dr. Lodi's, and I remember we walked in the clinic, and this was my dad who literally could, I mean, I'll save some of the details, but I mean, he couldn't defecate without... Screaming through the walls. I mean, he had tumors in his colon. He, I mean, my kids would literally hear him screaming, trying to have a bowel movement. I mean, he couldn't control it. He couldn't go more than about thirty minutes. He was having accidents, and um, and I remember we walked in the door and they handed my dad a green juice, right, a fresh pressed, you know, raw, mm-hmm. raw juice. Yeah. And I just remember, even at that moment, I thought, My goodness, why isn't that the protocol? Anytime we walk into <laughs> right. any sort of health fit facility, right? Before we do paperwork, here's your green juice. Let's get you healing. And I kid you not. Nathan, I think it was the first weekend we were there. We drove to see the Grand Canyon, which was for us I think it was a 5 hour 4 hour drive from from Phoenix I remember. And and we drove with my dad who literally couldn't go a half an hour. He we couldn't even drive in the car without having to pull over to gas station. We went out to the Grand Canyon all day long and back, and my dad had the most energy out of the bunch. Now this is a guy that was at the time a week before given stage 4 colon cancer, you know, uh, uh, liver, colon cancer. And so I want to attest to that because we need to shatter that mentality that cancer makes you go bald. They did a study, you might be familiar with this. I remember reading this a long time ago. They did a study where they, this was in the UK, and they probably can't get away with it now, but they took patients and they, one of them got a saline injection and one of them got chemo and the group that got saline lost their hair as well. Well, there was no reason for them to lose their hair, right? Other than the belief. That they're going to lose their hair because that's what happens when I take chemo. That's what happens when you have cancer, and so you're you're spot on. And and that's just one of the things that we have to dismantle. So thank you for bringing that up because if we can't see cancer differently, then we're gonna we're gonna let that fear just drive us to do whatever they tell us to do, right? Exactly.
2: And and so that's you know one of the things we we need to understand about cancer is that um, in your dad's case, it was it was late stage. It was stage four. He had you know tumors in his colon, like he's going to have symptoms, he's going to have pain, and that's true for actually a very small percentage of people. The majority of people diagnosed with cancer actually have very few, if any, symptoms. And cancer itself has very few, if, if any, distinguishable uh, symptoms. You can go look it up. Uh, you know, Any of your, your listeners can go look it up right now, and, and there are not a set of proven symptoms with cancer because cancer is not – you know, a symptomology, it's an underlying cause and condition of, as you already talked about, lifestyle, diet, and environment. And, you know, there's a massive study that came out in Nature that, uh, that said mm-hmm. that of upwards of 90% plus of cancer is diet, lifestyle, and environment. And if you go to uh, cancer.gov, you know, it says right there only five to 7% of cancer is actually hereditary. And then if you go watch my film and listen to Dr. Bruce Lipton talk about the science of epigenetics and talk about how we can actually uh, turn on and off our genes, including our cancer genes through diet, lifestyle, environment, and our thinking and emotions, right? That's why I go on to say 99% plus of cancer, you know, could potentially be prevented in the first place. Um, and, and, you know, reversing cancer is a different story, right? Preventing cancer is way easier than reversing cancer. So there's no guarantee. Like we don't have, um, Jeff, you said earlier, like what, you know, if there's a cure for cancer, why aren't they talking about it? Well, because one, it's not a pill, it's a lifestyle. So you Mm. can't market and sell a lifestyle like you can a pill and a little magic, you know, pill bottle, right? Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. they make trillions of dollars off of, unfortunately. So that's why it's not, you know, out there. Number two is that it's not a cure for cancer. Um, Dr. Lodi, you're talking about him, right? He's in my film. Uh, and one of the things he says, there is a cure for cancer and it's called the immune system. And see, you can't package up an immune system and sell it. Right. So it's up to, it's up to educating ourselves and and educating the individual of the lifestyle changes, the diet changes. Like you said, he had the green juice and you know, then, then he had more energy than ever. And it's so true. It's like when I was changing my own life and taking back, reclaiming my own health. You know, those were the things that like I started having now in my mid thirties, I have more energy, more vitality. I'm stronger. I'm healthier now than I ever was in my teenage years or my twenties. Right. And those are supposed to be your peak years. I haven't even reached my peak physical health yet. Um, I'm still, you know, getting better and better every single year. Why? Because as I learned these things that are helping prevent reverse cancer, they are the same things that help and prevent Uh, heart disease and Alzheimer's and neurodegenerative disease, uh, diabetes, right? Pretty much all chronic inflammatory metabolic lifestyle conditions. And so when you realize, wow, cancer is actually, Dr. Lodi again, since we're talking about him, he says, you know, when patients come to me, they're not really asking me how to get rid of cancer. They're asking me how to stop making cancer because that's what we're doing inside our bodies through our diet, lifestyle thinking environment, the toxins, the VOCs coming off, you know, the, the floors and the carpets and the paint, the, the toxins in the air and the water and the food, um, you know, the toxins in the shots that we're putting into our bodies and the drugs that we're putting into our bodies, the antibiotics that are destroying our microflora, right? The, the hundreds of thousands of chemicals that are being processed and packaged into our foods and our, our clothing and our goods every single day, you know, this, this strive for um, convenience and low cost of production has created this massive proliferation of chemicals that has created a massive toxic burden on the human body as well as the planet. And so what's happened is we are overburdening our bodies with too many chemicals and we are under nurturing our bodies with nutritional deficiencies. And Greg Braden, who's a good friend of mine, he's in the film as well. He says, "Look, that you can really break down uh, the causes of cancer into in, into two main areas. And on one side, on one side, it's either because your body has too much of something it doesn't need, i.e., toxins, chemicals, stress, or on the other side, it's because your body doesn't have enough of what it does need." I.e. nutrition, right? Vitamins, amino's, uh, amino acids, uh, fiber, phytonutrients. You know all these things that help the body to thrive. And most of the time, it's actually a combination of both of those. That we are overburdened by toxins, chemicals, and stress, and we are under nurturing ourselves with really poor, crappy food that doesn't have it doesn't have um, uh, the nutrients that we need to heal. Nathan right.
0: let me let me ask you a couple a question. So I'm thinking about as I'm you know I I've often used the metaphor like a fishbowl, right? You know, and, and and if the fish is in there and the fish is doing fine and the water's clean but we start junking it up, right? polluting the water with whatever, that fish then again begins to quote get sick, right? Now this we understand using that metaphor that the example the the fish doesn't need a drug or chemotherapy to get better, right? We right. have to clean up the water. And so I hear this statement sometimes and I and I all right, hear people Miss this, I guess. There's two things I would ask you, and I want you to uh, elaborate on. One is, I'm actually surprised we're not sicker, right? I mean, we like the body does such an amazing. I write our show is called "Designed to Heal." Our, I, I I want a person to be encouraged. Listen, do, not to disregard anything that we're talking about today on the show. Looking at how you clean up your environment, but it's incredible that how our bodies are designed have this amazing. Immune system. It's even like when you look at COVID right now, and you look at the actual survival rates of COVID, they're incredibly high ninety nine point blank. And so it's amazing. I just I, I think there's so much to be encouraged on. It's we we look you know these onslaughts of chemicals, and you talk about a lot of it in the film this onslaught of you know horrible diets that we're raising our kids on, babies being born with umbilical cords full of you know cancer causing chemicals. We should frankly all be dead by about the time we're five, right? Now, um, we may get there if we keep, you know what I mean? I mean, I I think we're becoming very, very sick. And so don't let the amazing healing power of the body fool you to think that the things you're doing aren't affecting you, right? That would be something I would want people to know and I want you to talk a little bit about. And then part two to that is people also um, really, I don't remember when I first learned this, I don't remember who taught me that, but when I came to that realization that, Cancer isn't something that you catch, right? It, it literally is built from within. And so I will always tell people if I'm trying to encourage them through a cancer diagnosis, I say, listen, as weird as this is going to sound, it's true. Your body built that cancer. Okay, so your body can unbuild that cancer. And so it's almost like when people have that, like you said, and I appreciate it, Nathan, like you said, that I would never promise somebody. We've all lost fans and family. There's even a couple people in your film, and you're very open about it, right, that have passed away, right? I mean, it is. we understand this, right? And that's why I would say, don't put your eggs in the basket of where am I going to go when I get my cancer? I, I don't think that should be a person's approach to their life. It's great to have those resources. Spend that time, money, and energy right now on the things you know that can cause it and eliminating that from your life. So Will you I know I asked a lot in there, but will you unpack a little bit of that?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So going back to uh what you opened up with your statement, I, I agree on the fact that the body's incredibly resilient, right? Uh, and we yeah. see this because people can smoke and drink and eat, you know, food all day long and <laughs> And basically live till they're 70 or 80. And then the last few years of their life often, you know, end up in just, I'd watch this with my own grandpa on my dad's side, my other grandpa who smoked and drank and ate uh, fried chicken his whole life and seemed to be fine until the last few years of his life. He suffered so drastically in, and then in hospice and then, uh, you know, whittled away until renal failure. Uh, I mean, those last few years of his life in that kind of tremendous suffering, I would never wish on any, not even the most evil person in the world, I would never wish that upon because it is so, so hard to watch and, and unbelievably painful for the person going through it. So even though we think of, yeah, the body's incredibly resilient um, and I can get away with all this, uh, the yeah. problem is those last years in people's lives often are not worth, you know, the 70 plus years of torture or the 70 plus years of, I should say, you know, toxic lifestyle. So that's one piece. The other piece so I would disagree with you a little bit is that we, we are getting sicker and sicker and sicker and sicker, not only as a nation, but as a world. I mean, the latest statistic I saw was 41 million people. That's seven out of 10 deaths every year around the world are from chronic diseases, primarily preventable chronic diseases. So 70% of global deaths right now are from chronic diseases. Um, and so that's one thing, right? Most of these chronic lifestyle-related diseases are preventable, and cancer is one of them. So, the do you think, statistic- Nathan, Do you
0: think about that? I mean, I, I want because I want to make sure that our listeners hear this. What I'm afraid is happening is we're we're getting, you know, you hear these terms, new normal. When it's that high, you know, seventy, eighty. I think the last statistic I heard of kids, fifty-four percent of children have a chronic disease. It starts to become we just actually begin to accept. This is just how people are. They die when they're seventy. Yeah. They're sick. Grandma's on thirteen medications, and so um, you're right. And thank you for for kicking, you know, pushing back against that statement. Um, but I think we're, we've accepted it. Like, well, no, they're not that sick. That's just everybody feels crappy when they're sixty and is on ten drugs and dies, right? Um, all kids are sick, and half your you know classrooms on drugs and asthma's and ADD drugs and autistic, right? It's we've we've almost it's almost so bad. That it's almost invisible in front of you because everybody's sick. It's a good point.
2: It's true. We've normalized it, and and what I tell people is, uh, even though it may be normal, it may seem normal today in our society to, you know, be sick, to have chronic disease, to have cancer, to to you know go through all of this as we age. We think we think all of these chronic diseases as we age are normal because we've normalized it. It is not our nature. Right, and our nature is actually to thrive and to live past 70, to live 80, 90, 100 plus with very little, if any, chronic diseases. And you see this in some of the longest living communities around the world, right, where people live 80, 90, 100, and they have almost no diseases, and they're active. They're riding horses. They're gardening, right? They're not walking around. They're not being pushed around in wheelchairs with, with um, you know, oxygen tanks like we see today. Um, so, so even though we've normalized it, it, is definitely not natural. And I think the reason that we have come to this place of such prolific uh, chronic disease uh, diagnosis and death around the world is because we've lost that connection to our nature. We've lost that connection to the natural world. And the closer that we can come back to living, you know, it, honestly as, as kind of uh, you know, hippie as it sounds. And I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hippie at heart, but, yeah. but honestly, the closer we can come back to living in harmony with nature, uh, I guarantee you these diseases would just start to disappear because when we eat living foods, whole foods, primarily plant foods, you know, we are getting the nutrition we need to thrive, not these processed, chemicalized, factorized food, uh, factory, you know, rich foods. Um, when we eat foods from nature, our body thrive, when we, Go outside and breathe fresh air. Not wear masks and breathe our own CO two for eight hours a day, but go outside and get fresh sunlight, vitamin D, the the healing energy from the sun. We get the the fresh air from the trees, right? We know. I mean, there's science that supports us that we know it enhances our immune system, it strengthens our vitality when we move the body every day. Not sit in cars and behind desks for eight and ten hours a day, but we're walking, we're moving, we're gardening, we're exercising. You know, going to the gym is great, but honestly, moving more often throughout the day is even more important. We know your risk for all chronic diseases goes down uh, astronomically, right? When we do the things that are so simple, the simple lifestyle changes, good food, good water, good clean air, exercise, you know, uh, Dean Ornish, uh, Dr. Dean Ornish yeah. has a book called Undo It. He has the his four great pillars book. of lifestyle yeah. medicine, right? And he's already proven scientifically a massive reduction in heart disease and prostate cancer and all kinds of chronic diseases, diabetes, et cetera, by four core pillars, which are very similar to the pillars we cover in the film, right, which is proper diet and nutrition, uh, it's daily exercise, it's having a connection to to meaningful relationships with people, love, right, um, and, then, and then stress reduction. You know, we go into the biology of belief in the film with – with Dr. Bruce Lipton and how important it is to down-regulate your sympathetic nervous system as often as possible, up-regulate your parasympathetic nervous system, which basically activates your immune system. And how we do that is through stress reduction, through meditation, through Qigong, through Tai Chi, through yoga, through walking out, you know, just walking in nature will activate your immune system and, and up-regulate your parasympathetic nervous system. So. You know, reducing stress and and good food and exercise and good relationships. We know scientifically now that these are the things that lead to disease prevention and and really increasing your odds of disease reversal.
0: I always tell people, like, I said, listen because you know, a lot of times, especially in, in my world being a, a holistic chiropractor, it's like I said, Listen, some of the things I'm gonna tell you are gonna sound so simple that you're gonna think they're not that important. And I said right. you know, and I just said, breathing's pretty simple. Don't do it for about five minutes, you'll find out how important it is, right? And so, you know, we we've we've downplayed the and I you you bring up something I wanna ask you about because I think this is gonna shock people. Um, so although it's although there's although it is simple. Um, it's a really, really big deal. When I, there was a quote in your um, in your film, I don't remember who said it, but I'm paraphrasing. But essentially, you know, we're part of our environment, meaning us as humans. And when when our environment is sick, I would say even environment, as in globally, or also just our in, our internal environment, our bodies. When those are sick, you're sick, right? Um, yeah. Now you may not, like you said, you may not feel those symptoms right away. We've all heard the stories of the person with the tumor in their brain that didn't have any symptoms or you know, heart heart attack, and they you didn't have any symptoms. Those types of things, and so we need to move beyond. And I mean, I honestly just think it's really just, you know, we, we're smarter than that. Let us, let us, let's be smarter people than that, right? Let's, you know, let's use a, a small example. You, everybody's had a cavity and not felt it. You know, we understand that in order, oftentimes, again, because of the body's resiliency and just how it's designed, if you felt everything happening all the time, we would be paralyzed by sensations, right? We wouldn't be exactly. able to function, but. So here's what happens, I think, because there's a, a study that you talk about in the movie, and there'd be other ones, but there's a couple of kind of, I think, dogmas we got to address in the in the traditional cancer care that I think are shocking to people. Um, one is um, some people have been confused about like survival rates, and they say, "But aren't we aren't we getting better? Aren't we treating cancer better?" And the way that I've had this explained to me and and I want people to understand is a lot of what's happening is we're detecting cancer sooner in certain things, right, through different testing. So then we're diagnosing them earlier. They're not necessarily living longer than they would have. They're just simply, but it's created an artificial illusion sense of people living longer with cancer because we diagnosed it sooner and they hit their five-year threshold sooner. That'd be part one. But then part two, there's been a couple of major studies that have been done about the typical treatment of cancers, primarily with chemotherapy. I'm talking about that Australia study that overlapped a little bit with U.S. Do you mind talking about kind of the state of traditional care? Um, just, And I'm not doing this entirely to just throw the medical model under the bus. I'm doing this so people are re- realize it's probably not as good as they think, right? Um, and they need, to, they need to know that.
2: Well, let's talk a little bit about um, you know COVID right now and cancer sure. as well as tie into this because um, there, there's some really interesting tie-ins here. So for any for any of your audience that is a little bit more educated than than most people who are just watching mainstream media, you know they would know that the PCR test, for example, for, for COVID is highly irregular and has many false positives. Um, that the the founder himself, the designer of the PCR technology. I have a video of him. I've posted it because it's since, you know, it's been censored and taken down. Um, but it's him saying, look, this is not, um, a diagnostic tool. It's never be used to, to, to it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. 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 Because once you, once you amplify beyond, you know, a certain number of cycles, then everybody's going to show positive. Um, and so basically, you know, that's, that's one thing is we have a massive amount of false positive rates with COVID testing, but the interesting thing is we also have a massive amount of false positive rates with cancer testing. Um, and there's a couple of studies actually in my colleague's book, uh, Regenerate, Sayergy, where he goes into depth on this in both breast cancer and I believe prostate cancer and shares you know the the science on this that most people don't realize is that we are way over diagnosing cancer. And the, the testing that's being utilized to, to find cancer um, upwards of 60% in some cases are actually false positives and then they treat it. Right. So if you treat cancer, that's not actually cancer. Let's say it's a cyst, it's benign, you know, or let's say it's, um, something that shows up on uh an MRI, but it's, it's actually not cancer. And then they, they surgically remove it or do chemotherapy or radiation. We know that radiation actually causes cancer, right? So, so there's this, additional thing that's happening with overtesting uh which many of the tests you know mammographies things like that uh MRIs these sorts of things actually uh are proven to cause cancer, right? They are known carcinogens. I mean, this is, uh, this is very well known. So one, uh, over testing. So then we're, we're creating cancer in the body.
0: Yeah. Stage zero metastatic. I never heard of stage zero breast cancer. Right, Like what is happening? We used to call that not cancer. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And then, and then, and then we, and then we over treat. So then we do something that like, let's say it was stage zero or stage one. That if you change diet, lifestyle, nutrition, you did all these things initially before going into a very, you know, potentially dangerous uh, approach of surgery, chemotherapy, or radiation, um, and then you had a, a, a much bigger chance of reversing it. Now we're actually, in many cases, um, creating making cancer worse. And so here's what happens: it is very well known, very well documented that that um, radiation does not kill. Uh, and chemotherapy actually does not kill the cancer stem cells. So even though someone may go into remission after conventional therapy, and this happens a lot, and I, I know it happens a lot because one, I've seen studies that prove that, but two, I'm the one talking to the people that this has happened to again and again and again, right? They had stage one, they do chemotherapy radiation. The doctor says, Hey, you're cleared, you're cancer free, right? Or you're in remission. All right, they go home three years, five years later. Now they're diagnosed with stage four. What happened? How did that happen? We got the cancer, right? No, you did not get the cancer stem cells. And the cancer stem cells are, um, they get pissed off when you try to attack them, right? When you when you do surgery and try to remove the cancer, when you blast it with chemotherapy radiation, they actually get pissed off and they're self-regenerating, self-replicating. Um, and so that's why it's often metastasis after, let's say, somebody had, you know, a little tiny tumor, um, in their colon and they have it removed. And then five years later, now it's metastasized to the bones, to the lymph nodes it's all over the body. And they go, what happened? Well, the doctors won't take any responsibility for that because they don't even realize what's happening. But what's happening is you're pissing off the cancer stem cells. They, it's very well documented, scientifically proven that these therapies don't get rid of the cancer stem cells. And then they just go basically, you know, a thousand miles an hour. And you don't change your lifestyle. Times.
0: You just go, Hey, uh, cancer's gone back exactly. to you know, sex, drugs and rock exactly. and roll.
2: So Elaine, Elaine Gibson, who's in my film, she had this exact same thing happen. Stage one, you know, did some treatment. Cancer was gone, came back as stage four just a few years later. And she said, okay, now it's time to get to work. And what did she do? She went on a completely hundred percent raw food, vegan diet, tons of green juice every single day, exercise every single day, meditation an hour every morning and every night, you know, walking outside in nature, doing uh, vitamin C IVs, you know, every holistic thing you can imagine. Um, She, she ended up doing uh, an integrative thing. So she used one kind of small drug, like an off-label drug to help with kind of some genetic stuff she had going on. And this whole integrative approach stage four in, in a very short time, I believe it was a couple of years completely gone right? And there's a lot of people I've interviewed and people in the film who've had the same thing happen. Um, so it's really about understanding, right? What, what conventional treatment is doing and then recognizing, well, what can you do before you do treatment during treatment after treatment or instead of treatment to enhance your body's ability to heal itself? And if we focus on two core things, right the immune the immune system enhancing your immune system naturally which is exactly the same thing when we're looking at covid right you wouldn't have to be afraid of covid if you had a strong immune system if you were eating healthy if you were doing the cancer prevention diet and lifestyle because we know that this is according to the cdc 95% of all deaths from covid so far at least according to the cdc 95% had anywhere from two to four comorbidities, meaning people were unhealthy, had weak immune systems, um, had something like cancer, diabetes, or some chronic inflammatory condition. Obesity, high blood pressure, yeah. Exactly, right? And so it's the same exact thing, that if you focus on a strong immune system, and this is diet, lifestyle, environment, always comes back to that, you wouldn't have to be afraid of COVID, you wouldn't have to be afraid of cancer either.
0: Somebody said it this way, I remember a friend of mine that healed naturally from cancer, and he said, Used to say, you know, you don't you don't get cancer and get sick. You get sick and get cancer. Exactly. Right? And so, until we, and this is why, again, I'm. It's movies like yours and guests like yours that are so important to. Um, I mean, I was just so impressed by the level of detail in your movie. I've watched a lot of con- cancer documentaries over my lifetime. It's just because with happened with my dad and working with patients. It's just an area that I'm. I, it, I you know I, I run into it a lot, so I want to be educated on the alternative healthcare. But you just, it's like I feel like you left no stone unturned. Right? You're like, okay, I mean, you just, it's one of the 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 most um, thought, well thought out, and and asks the hard questions. And answers them that people need to hear. And so, again, for our listeners, if you haven't um, gone and checked this out yet, you need to go to the website. We'll put that in the show notes for people, um, so they can go watch it. You, I say this to people all the time. It's like with COVID or with the vaccine. I do want to talk a little bit, if it's okay, uh, Nathan, about the COVID vaccine because I think there's some immune conversations we need to have around this that people need to be have their, you know, be aware of. But you, some people, you owe it to yourself. If, if you're a person that says, if I said, are you afraid of cancer? And if that person said yes, then I would say, then you owe yourself a couple hours of education about it. <laughs> like, like if you're that worried, then you need to learn about it. If you're that worried about COVID, which listen, that's okay. I understand. Here's what I would suggest then take it very serious on the things that we know, but you just said, i.e. lifestyle. So if I am in that high-risk category because of my lifestyle or other factors, then let me be an intelligent person that takes that serious. Don't be a person that says, you know, yeah, well, I'm worried about it, but I'm not gonna do anything about it. That's kind of that definition of insanity, right? Expecting, you know, different result, doing the same thing everybody else does, but expecting a different result. And so what's your can you give us some some insight on that or or can you talk a little bit about maybe unknowns with the COVID vaccine and what you are seeing or what your, you know, friends in the industry are saying?
2: Absolutely. Um, You know, and I've been since February, March of 2020, I've actually been really immersed in the research of this, of COVID itself. And then, um, you know, the vaccines that they were planning to roll out and and, uh, really interviewing between that time from March until now, I've actually interviewed uh, around 70, maybe 100 world leading health experts, uh, doctors, nutritionists, scientists. Right. And I've talked to them uh, primarily for other projects. I have the Conquering Cancer Summit coming up, and uh, I did a nine-module masterclass I taught called Becoming Cancer-Free. Um, but off off the off the screen or off recording, I asked them, you know, what's your take on COVID? What are you seeing in your practice? What's, what are you seeing clinically, right? So I had, you know, insight into many of the top minds during this past year and a half plus around COVID and now the vaccine since it's rolled out. Um, and what I can tell you is this one, there's a lot, we don't know about it and we need to be, uh, healthily skeptical about it. That's, you know, that's, that's science one Oh one, right. Is that, uh, you need to be open to see what's happening because we're in an experimental phase right now. And this is something people need to understand. Actually, if you go to the, the, I just read a statement from the Pfizer CEO the other day and, and. His words are Israel, for example, is a great experiment for these vaccines, right? Uh, Because we get to see this huge um, population taking these vaccines and then see what happens.
0: And that experiment is not going well, by the way. And
2: people were not informed that they were being experimented on, right? So we don't have informed consent, number one. They didn't realize they're being experimented on. Number two, uh, the studies were so short, this has been rolled out so quickly, right? That we have no real data on, even though everywhere you look, vaccines are safe and effective. Vaccines are safe and effective. Vaccines are safe and effective. It doesn't matter where you look, that's the message that's being reported. The problem is we don't have enough data. Uh, certainly no long-term studies to prove that the vaccines are safe and effective, right? These short term studies, um, are doing nobody any, any good because we don't know what's going to happen in two years and five years and ten years after you take this. This is experimental gene manipulation, biological, uh, pharmaceutical intervention, right? And so to break that down for people is this is an experiment with our DNA that's never been done before until now, especially on a mass global scale, so we really need to be skeptical about that at the very least and, and certainly ask for more studies, more long-term studies, right? I mean, Johnson & Johnson was paused because uh, this was in April, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that vaccine was paused because they said uh, there were some dangerous side effects happening and then they reinstated it. Uh, the AstraZeneca in, in Europe, 18 countries banned it. Uh, and stopped accepting it because of dangerous side effects. Um, These things are rolling out, you know, four months, six months, eight months later, where we're finding out, wow, these things actually have dangerous side effects. We know that the VARS system is, we know it's not, you know, clinically verified, but it is a great source for our governing bodies and our health officials to, when they roll out a vaccine uh, and they, they start getting reports of adverse events and even deaths, in the VARS system, it's an early warning sign.
0: Yeah, it's know, all it's we got, unfortunately. I mean, I wish there was another option. I wish that the government well, took well, it seriously. Well, here's serious, the thing, you
2: know. though. We don't need another option, yeah. right? And here's the reason why. Because if you had 50 deaths reported on any drug prior, they would pull it off the market. Right. And we had 13,000 in the last whatever it's yeah. been, eight months or whatever, right? So from 50 as an early warning sign to 13,000, and these things are still being Not only rolled out, which is one thing of its own, but mandated, mandated with over 600,000 adverse events reported to VARS system and over 13,000 deaths reported. Again, I'm not saying they're clinically verified, but they are an early warning sign that we really need to pay attention to what's going on, Um, that certainly there are some potential dangers we need to look out for, right? Um, And then we're doing gene manipulation, you know, it's, it's basically mRNA and they say, well, it doesn't change your de- your genes. Well, it has to change your genes. It has to because mRNA transfers over to DNA, right? So when it transfers over to DNA and, and transcribes back to mRNA and that whole process that works, it is literally manipulating your genetic makeup. Well, and
0: I have a video of, I believe it's the science, the CSO of Moderna saying exactly that. I think his term is it hacks your genes, right, right? To go in there and do that. So, I mean, I, you're, you're right. I don't think a lot of people, even looking at vaccines is just a couple of things for people to consider. There's a famous um, um, point on every vaccine insert. They've tried to change this recently, but forever it was 13.1. And 13.1 on the vaccine insert sheets, I'm paraphrasing, but it essentially says, this has not been tested for carcinogenic or mutagenic properties. Essentially, we don't know because we never looked to see If this causes cancer or mutates your, you know, your body or your genes, and this is really important for a listener to understand because a lot of times we assume that that study was done. We assume that they tested it for that, and if they would, they would never have approved it. But they didn't test it, so it's the old, you know, in you know, ignorance is bliss. Or and it allows them to stay statements like, "Well, we don't have any evidence that it causes cancer." What they should say is, "We don't have any evidence (laughs) at all because we never looked for that." And then historically, we we do have a couple of great examples. The one I would use to just let people know, like it wouldn't be the craziest thing for this thing to really be a problem, is um, polio vaccines with something called SV40, simian virus 40. Where because of the kidney cells that they were growing the you know polio vaccine on or using in that process, there was viruses that were undetectable to the technology at the time. And then we find out later, and ironically, this relates to cancer. People are having brain tumors and other tumors that are simian virus tumors. And so right. this isn't like this isn't a, a leap. You know, we can look in relatively recent history and realize we've made some colossal mistakes, and then you said, like you're saying, I mean, we're in the midst of that experiment, so I always encourage people, it doesn't make you a bad human to have pause about this vaccine. It doesn't make you a bad human to have some very, very reasonable questions. If we would have asked these questions a year and a half ago, everybody, not everybody, but a majority of people would have absolutely been on your side, right? They would have said, oh, yeah, that's reasonable. Of course, we should study this. Of course, we should test for this. Of course. But now, because of propaganda and fear and, and other, um, other reasons, worse than that, probably, um, that's not even really the conversation anymore. And then here we have a vaccine that's been approved that has, I just looked at the, the, lately now, it's at 650,000 reports side effects on the VAERS system that we, and more than any other vaccine in history and all the other ones combined actually. And so it's really important that we, um, you know, that we look at that and, and, and understand that.
2: Well, before people discredit that uh, as they do, they just kind of like, you know, because the mainstream media has, has basically uh, put out this propaganda that, oh, you can't trust VARS and these are anti-vaxxers and blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell you right now, I'm not anti-vax at all. I am pro-choice and I'm pro-information and I am pro-informed consent. If you get all the information, the dangers and the risks and the potential positives, right, and then you choose it for yourself, I am pro that. I am pro you to choose the health protocol that you feel is best for you. Um, and so, I just want to get that really clear. And the the reality is is that the VARS system has been used for years and years, right? And the people who actually report to the VRS system many times are the health professionals themselves, the doctors, right? I take a vaccine uh, maybe right away or maybe in 24 hours or in a few days, I get sick, my arm goes numb, uh, you know, I start bleeding, something happens, right? All these side effects the paralysis, Guillain-Barre syndrome, all these things that are being reported. Um, and then I go back to my doctor and I say, doc, look what's going on. What happened? The only thing I did was take the vaccine a few days ago, and now this is going on. And most of the time, it's the doctor reporting to VARS system what their patient is telling them. It's not a bunch of anti-vax random people going out and filling out forms, right? I mean, that's just the reality of what's going on. The other side of it is that Harvard did an independent study. Uh, this, was, uh, this was like a, a side branch of Harvard. And they went, and this was years ago, um, but they went and looked at the VARS system and looked at um, how many vaccine adverse events actually were being reported. They did an independent study, separate of the Department of Health, and they put this report. I did a scientific review on this report. Uh, it's at healthsciencetruth.com, which is a website I put together for this kind of information the mainstream media won't talk about. And they did an independent report and said only one percent of actual vaccine adverse events are reported to the VAERS system. Now this was a few years ago, obviously before COVID, but still they were saying only 1%. And you know, if we were to, let's say that was actually, not saying it is, but let's say hypothetically, that was actually accurate today. What they found a a few years ago, only 1%. That would mean 1.3 million potential deaths to the VARS system, if only 1% are reported at 13,000. So 13,000, right, would be 1.3 million potential deaths and 650,000 adverse events reported. If that was actually only 1%, we're looking at potentially 60 to 65 million potential adverse events. And to me, that's actually more realistic because we know that many of the ingredients in these vaccines are actually toxic to the human body right? And, and if they are doing what they're saying they're doing. And so again, I'm just, I'm giving those numbers out there for reference. Let's say it really is only 1% that actually was reported, not the 99% that wasn't reported. 13,000 deaths from an experimental biological drug uh, of potential deaths is massive, right? Massive and definitely cause for major concern. Well, what people tell me is, well, what about the four and a half million people that died from COVID? Well, the truth is we know already that those numbers are absolutely incorrect. They are egregiously inaccurate, right? That those numbers are not actually COVID, sole COVID deaths. We know that 95% of those had two to four additional comorbidities. Only about 5% are, are reported solely from COVID. And we also know that doctors were informed to put COVID on the death certificate, even without testing. So I'll give you an example. Um, Alameda County in California did a soft audit of their, COVID, of, their de- of their COVID death certificates recently. This is one county in one state in one country, and all they did was a soft audit, not a full audit. And here's what they found. Just by removing gunshot wounds and car accidents that were listed as COVID deaths, their COVID deaths uh, were reduced by 25%. Twenty-five percent. This is this is how egregiously overreported COVID deaths have been this entire time. One county doing one soft audit and already reduced it by twenty-five percent. These are gunshot wounds and car accidents. Obviously, COVID didn't kill those people, right? Um, now, imagine if the whole world did a full audit on all their COVID death certificates. My guess is we would reduce COVID from four and a half million people down to five percent of that. And then we would look at this and go, wow, this is not a pandemic at all, right? This is a situation of uh, weakened immune systems, just like the flu, just like anything else. And we should be educating people how to strengthen their immune system, how to get vitamin D, vitamin C, how to exercise and reduce their stress, how to take care of their health instead of lock them up in their homes wearing masks, afraid, you know, causing more problems than good.
1: Nathan, I would ask you a question if you would just share for the good of the listeners how would you suggest reconnecting naturally? Like just give them some inspiration and a takeaway. What are some of the things that you kind of encourage maybe as you're speaking and advocating? Uh, what would you say to them?
2: Yeah, I mean, coming back to cancer, right? It's like I said, it, it's it's all the same stuff. And it's the stuff I do every single day. And, and I'll tell you, everything I'm going to share with you now, I won't go into the science of it, but it is all evidence-based, scientifically verified. Uh, so like what I do, I wake up every morning, uh, with a little gratitude uh, practice, right? You can do prayer, meditation. I practice gratitude. I wake up and I think about the things I'm grateful for, my family, our home, right? Just the ability to to be of service to others. And that's how I start the day. And when you start your day that way in a positive mindset, we know that it's upregulating your immune system. So number one. Number two, start your day with nutritionally excellent sources into your body. So I start my day with a big fresh glass of green juice every day, green vegetable juice, different vegetables. We know cruciferous vegetables have many of the most anti-cancer fighting properties. Cruciferous vegetables are things like, you know, cabbage and bok choy and kale. You can add in some cucumber and celery, you know, anti-inflammatory stuff, turmeric, black pepper, but start your day with something fresh, nutritious. that's going to revitalize your cells of your body and help your body heal. Um, and then from there, you know, or you can intermittent fast, which I do many days as well. But the first thing in your body should be nutritious, not some big steak and eggs, you know, high inflammatory breakfast. Um, you know, you should be having fruit and these kinds of things, uh, uh, healthy things that are going to help reduce inflammation, uh, provide antioxidants, help your body, you know, thrive. And then the next thing is, is go get some sunshine. So I sit outside first thing. So I do this, right gratitude, go get my green juice. And then I go right outside and I'll read a good book, something to stimulate my mind in a positive way. And I'll sit outside as the sun is coming up, getting that first sunlight. It's really important. It's the first 30 minutes of your day that you get sunlight to, um, help balance your hormones, your cortisol, um, and your melatonin. So that first 30 minutes is super important. Um, and I'll sit out there and read for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Um, and then I'll do just like a little kind of, Qigong practice for a few minutes, and then I'll bounce on uh, a little rebounder trampoline. We know these things, these little rebounders you can put in your living room, are incredibly valuable to anybody who can't really, well, to everybody, but also to people who, you know, just maybe you're overweight, maybe you're in pain, you can't go run or jog or cycle. Well, you can get a rebounder and just kind of lightly bounce up and down. And what you're doing is you are flushing your lymphatic system. And your lymphatic system is an essential component of your immune system. And your lymphatic system actually helps produce B cells and T cells and NK killer cells. These are cells that go out, they identify cancer cells, they destroy them, and then they sweep them up and clean them up and push them out. And your lymphatic system doesn't have a pump, like the cardiovascular system has a heart for a pump your lymphatic system requires you to move the body and also certain herbs will help with it. Uh, but you have to move your body to flush your lymphatic system. So a key part of your immune system is, is a healthy lymphatic system and exercise. And then throughout your day, you know, having healthy, nutritious meals is as much plant-based, as much organic as you possibly can, highly diverse nutrient rich. We're talking things like legumes, you know, lentils and beans, You know, big salads, kale, carrots, these kinds of things, Uh, soups, you know, whole foods, fresh foods, plant foods, not processed foods, not packaged foods. You need to swap out, you know, 80% get rid of your packaged processed foods and replace it with fresh fruits and berries and vegetables and greens and these things that are anti-cancer, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, pro-life, pro-health, pro-vitality, and then have some kind of stress reduction practice throughout the day. And so, and then same thing at night. And I do a gratitude practice at night, but get outside, get that sunshine, get that fresh air exercise, you know, lots of nutrition in your body. And guess what? One, you're going to have more energy. You're going to, just like you talked about your dad, Terry, right? He had that green juice. He had more energy than ever. This happens to everybody. You clean up your diet in the first week or two. For a lot of people, you actually might feel a little lethargic because you're actually detoxing. But once you get through that, wow, you have more energy, more clarity, more vitality, you feel better and you want to do more. And as you want to do more, you're like, okay, well, what else can I do? Maybe I can go to the gym, you know, for 30 minutes. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can go for a hike, right? You just start wanting to do more because you feel better. And over time, these things that sound like, oh my God, that sounds like a chore. That sounds like too much, right? Over time, you do one thing at a time, add in one more, add in one more, add in one more. And all of a sudden, You have a lifestyle, a lifestyle that you look forward to. I look forward to waking up every single day. I look forward to going to bed every single night because that deep sleep, that seven to nine hours of scientifically proven deep sleep, uh, that uh, well, not deep sleep, but seven to nine hours of sleep where, you know, a good portion of it should be deep sleep and REM sleep is where your body is healing. It's like, oh, I look forward to that sleep. I look forward to waking up. I look forward to my day, and when you look forward to life, you choose things that are healthier for you and that lifestyle becomes something that you, you just, you love and you you look, okay, what can I do next? How else can I improve, get better, healthier? And so if you're approaching this as a lifestyle, not a chore, and you're approaching it as what's the one thing I'm lacking most in my healthy lifestyle right now, whether it's diet, whether it's exercise, whether it's, you know, putting plants in the home to help clean up the, the chemicals, the off-gassing, the VOCs, whatever you're missing, focus on that one thing, do that for the next week or two, and then go to the next thing. But you just start stacking, right? You start stacking these things on top of each other. And all of a sudden, COVID comes around, you know, or anything comes around, you're like, God, I feel great. I don't, you know, I'm strong, I'm healthy, I'm vital. I have friends in their 70s and 80s. They're like, I'm not afraid of COVID and I would never take the vaccine. I say, why? Is it because I'm healthy, I'm active, I exercise, I eat well, you know, I have low stress? Like, why, do, why would I be afraid of this thing and why would I need this thing? Because I'm already protected. And I say, well, that's it. If you can look at it that way, then you're going to be way better off.
0: You know what, Nathan, I think about, and it's not funny, I'm just sitting here as I'm listening to you kind of lay out a day in the life. I can't help but be kind of hit by the contrast of 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 many people's lives compared to what you just said, and I, I just at this thought, it's almost if you look at the traditional kind of American you know rat race lifestyle and burning the candle at both ends and the sad you know um, nutritional you know diet and things, it's almost, and, I, and this is going to sound a little harsh, but it's it's almost as if people are trying to kill themselves, right? And, and forgive the harshness of that, but it's almost as if we're doing everything. To give ourselves cancer, to give ourselves diabetes, to give ourselves heart heart disease, to give ourselves low functioning immune systems that can't handle the cold, the flu or COVID. And so, you know, again, as I as I sit here, we've just it's been this we talk about in this show, it's kind of this boiled frog, as much as what you just described and kind of taking these, you know, these steps, you know, adding healthy things. A lot of times what we've done in our lives is if we've we've slowly added unhealthy things, right? We've picked up, you know, the frappuccino and then it's the um pill You know, then it's hey the new the new restaurant in town where I live. They just opened up a White Castle, and I'm not kidding you. There's been a line at that place down the block for like two months, almost around the clock. It's literally hard to, and I and I and I it breaks your heart because not out of judgment towards people, but just simply man, if if they only knew because those same people that then are going to end up you know with with diseases they never wanted, with diagnoses that are that they never wanted, with an expensive you know. you know, jacked up healthcare system that's going to give them little in results for what they have. You really start to have empathy and feel bad for them. And so, yes, yeah. there is some change that will be required. Right? We've either gotten like you and I, and 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 I don't know your your other story, but you know, as an encouragement, as we kind of wind down here, um, you know, you were a guy that literally said, "I was you know lucky to be alive." I mean, homeless on the street, you know, not doing well, right? Um, and 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 yet you've been able to Come out of that and have a different lifestyle now, and I—it's probably the old cliche. If you can do it, anybody can do it, right? If I would have saw you at your lowest point in that, I probably wouldn't think you'd be a guy I'd be podcasting with about health, <laughs> you know, about health and healing, <laughs> And, and not. Interviewing a hundred you know doctors around the globe and and teaching people and inspiring people and touching millions of lives on how they can have that as well, and so I think that should be an encouragement for us. So it might be hard right now if you think I don't know if I can put down my Krispy Kremes and my donut and one of my friends who survived stage 4 brain blood and bone cancer said this and he said his name was Dr. Charlie and he said he said listen he goes yeah some of this stuff is a little hard right I and mean, he was very intense about his protocols for healthy living and he said but um, um none of it's harder than cancer right none of it sucks as much as it would suck to not be with my my four kids what you know and and then just add that in find your Drive. You've got kids. I've got kids. Whatever that your big why, or you've heard, you know, your purpose that you feel that God has placed you on this earth, like we have to press into that. And I know we all are gonna die. And I maybe it's a bad way to end the show, but we understand that, right? None of us are gonna live forever. Um, however, the choices that we do make do matter as it relates to our vitality that we have on our time on this earth. And so it's okay to make conscious, intentional decisions that are honoring to the design that you have. And so I don't—as much as, like you said, maybe it sounds hippie or it sounds, you know, foo-foo or way out, whatever, I mean, my goodness, all you talked about was really common sense, right? Go on a walk, drink some water, eat some food the way that God designed it, and then, like, if you do those things, it's amazing. A lot of stuff goes away, Right? From exactly impression i mean fill in the blank so any final thoughts for us i w- remind any um so you're probably always working on projects i know you got this film out so they can go watch that on all the platforms please you guys um we bring these guests on the show because we know that information is censored right you're not going to be able to go see this movie in the in the theaters although you should be able to you're not going to be able to you know it's not going to be on the headlines they're not going to play it on necessarily hbo so we have to go take the initiative educate ourselves Um, get this information, and then most importantly, do it, right? Begin to make those changes. So final thoughts, Nathan.
2: Yeah, thank you for that. And, you know, I just have to um, uh, agree with everything you just said that, one, you know, when we look at our health and our, our current lifestyles and, you know, we need to take an honest inventory of where we're at. And that's what I did. You know, at 18, 19 years old, I took an honest inventory and realized, oh, my God, I'm killing myself. I'm headed for the grave or prison, and uh, and I don't want that. So, you know, unfortunately, far too often, we wait until the cancer diagnosis. We wait until the death sentence. We wait until the chronic disease before we go, wow, I should do something about this, right? But if we can take preventative measures, if we can start – making these changes now, little by little, you're not going to change everything overnight. I think your audience is probably, you know, pretty healthy in general, but there's always more you can do. So if you take an on, honest inventory and go, how much stress is going on in my life? You know, what does my diet really look like? How much processed food, how much sugar, um, you know, how much of, of these toxic foods, GMO foods, these kinds of things am I eating? Right. And, and take an honest inventory and, and take a deep, hard look and go, you know, where can I improve? Why? Because by improving that area of your life, little by little, like I said, more energy, you're going to feel better, but you're going to be on a path towards preventing cancer in the first place. You know, prevention is the best cure, right? Never getting the, the diagnosis is the best cure. Um, and so do what you can, little by little. Some of this can be super overwhelming. The film covers so much information and more than what we even talked about here. and And that can even be overwhelming at times, but at the very least, you'll take One thing, two things, like what I encourage your listeners to do today is take one thing we talked about, whether you talked about it or I talked about it, take one thing and go, you know what, that's the thing I'm going to start doing right now. I'm going to start doing that one thing. And that could just be adding in something, adding in a green juice first thing in the morning, adding in a little meditation or prayer or gratitude practice. It could just be, you know what, I'm going to start walking or I'm going to start going to the gym you know, even just 20 minutes, right? Like a couple days a week, add in that one thing and stick with it, make it a healthy habit, make it a lifestyle change. And you'll see, like, as you feel better, you're like, Hmm, okay. What's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I can do? And, and those little things, they, they really do add up over time. And when you look at the synergy of a holistic healthy lifestyle, right? It is night and day compared to what you said. Most people are living today. And certainly what I used to live, you know, uh, as, as a teenager, you know, nearly dead on toxic food, you know, addicted to drugs and alcohol and pharmaceuticals and, you know, two packs of cigarettes a day. And I was definitely on track for a cancer diagnosis. I had digestive issues. I had health problems. You know, I was, uh, definitely headed towards, uh, death, uh, for sure. I was running around with some very, very scary people. And, but at the very least, you know, you look at, okay, where are you at? Maybe you're not that extreme right now, but there's something else you can do. And then from there, you take one more step and one more step and one more step before you know it. It's like, wow, you're living this amazing life. You're 80, 90 years old. You're healthy. You're vital. Like that's my goal. My goal is to keep empowering and inspiring and educating people so that they can have the information, the tools, and the resources to take control of their health. And whether you reverse cancer or not, the main thing is that you add, uh, not only adding more years to your life, but adding more quality of life to your years. And the more quality of life you have, the more enjoyable of a life you're going to have, right? And so I want to be 90. I want to be 100 years old, hiking in the mountains with my grandkids, or even my great-grandkids, you know? Um, And I ask people like, hey, wouldn't you love to live to 90 or 100? And you know what's funny? Most people tell me, Oh, God, no, I'd hate yeah, that. Yeah, And I go, why is that? And they go, well, because, you know, I'd be sick and, and poor and in pain. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm asking the wrong question. So I changed my question. I said, wouldn't you love to be 90 or 100 if you were healthy, if you were vital, if you were active, if you had a good life, a fulfilling life? Everybody everybody changes their answer and says, yes, I would love to. Right. And so that's what I want to leave your listeners with Amen. is you have that option right now. You have the choice right in front of you. It's at your fingertips and it's just what you decide to do with that every moment of your life.
0: Beautiful. I couldn't, couldn't and wouldn't be able to say it better myself. Thank you for your time, Nathan. We'll be following you and our listeners uh, and, and your future projects and the work. Thank you for bringing truth out, getting in the hands of people so they can do something with it, so they can have that life that you just described. Blessings to you and your family as you guys uh, transition and do the things that you're called to do. Thank you so much, buddy. Have a great day.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. To learn more about Dr. Ben's work, visit AchieveWellness.clinic.